All right, brother, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, um, all right, we're on. Uh, we're with um, Rogerio Silva. He's a tattoo artist. Hey, bro, how long have you been doing uh, tattoos? Man, I started. Uh, I started on my own uh, way back in Japan. Um, that was nineteen ninety six. So twenty three years. But uh, it wasn't until like four years later um, that I met um, my mentor, uh, Clay Decker, and I moved to to L.A. and started like a, the right way. Like, so he took me under his wings and uh, it taught me the proper way to do it. So I, I guess I should count from that point on. Right. That was around 2000, so it has to be, it's, it's, it's right about 18, 19 years now, or close to 20. So so when you started doing uh, tattoos, you just kind of started out on your own? Uh, yeah, that was pretty much uh, self-taught, trying to be, you know, like, the, I didn't know much about it. Uh, all I knew was the, I had the, the drive to, not not really like it wasn't it wasn't quite a drive. I think it was just kind of like more on the fun side of it. I didn't understand how serious the the industry was and how it's structured. And uh, so I kind of started on my own. Didn't know exactly what I was doing, and you know, so like kitchen, we call it the kitchen magicians. Right. And uh, and that from from then I, once I realized, it took me a few years to realize that you need a guidance you need somebody to proper train you and and show you the proper the everything that that comes to make it a a good tattoo and and the yeah the foundation isn't that how like most maybe most people start out doing tattoos they kind of just start out on their own yeah like back in the day um a lot of people they uh you know it wasn't a it's not mainstream like it is today um, you have to find somebody. Now you can go to different medias and YouTube will show you how to do it. You can go to websites and you can order supplies. Back in the day, it was a very tight um, community that you either introduced by somebody or you find someone that, that they're, they're, they're willing to take their time and, and teach you the, you know, the fundamentals. Right. But, uh, that was a very tight community. Like not everybody got to get in there. You have to be friends with somebody, and even that, they would make it a little harder for you to, um, you know, follow that that path. Right. Yeah, I remember. Had a I remember when I was growing up, tattoos were kind of like they were kind of like taboo, you know. But now it's and, like um, everybody has them, and you know they're starting to become more accept acceptable, even like in the workplace. Yeah, it's it's strange because you know, like some some community, like some different countries, like here in the United States, it, it kind of I hate to say it, but it, it sounds more like it, it became a fad. It's on TV. It's 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 everywhere. Everybody has it, and you know, it's it feels good that knowing that a lot of people start to see more as a as an art form rather than uh, uh, you, 
like in Japan, it was, you know, if you have a tattoo that started out as you're a criminal, like those are the markings of a criminal. And still taboo in many countries, um, but also is accepted in the culture, like in Hawaii and in Islanders, that that's a marking of a warrior. That's a marking of, uh, you know, depending on the status of the community, who you are, they will know from your tattoos. So um, now it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit more open, and a lot of people have a different uh, there's different ideas of why you carrying it, why you having a tattoo, why do you want one. A lot of people are just curious about it, and a lot of people just want to share, you know, their thoughts on their skin. And some wants to keep it private. Some people likes to show, you know. So right, we have the the shower, and then we have the you know the the people are more private for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think when the UFC started getting popular, then you started seeing like a lot of those fighters you know, with tattoos all yeah. over their body. I, you think that's how it kind of became mainstream? People were seeing it, you know, on these fighters and, and you know, they, a, lot of them, a lot of those guys back then, you know, had a lot of tattoos. You think that had something to yeah, do with I, it? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it was a combination of a lot of things, uh, Daryl, um, that uh, make, make tattoo like what it is today. But I think it's, it's evolving, man. It, it, the game is so different right now. It's so many different kids uh, coming out with fresh ideas and kind of like uh, stepping it up like a notch. All right. And the, it feels good, man. It feels good to see what it became. And it's what evolving. Is, what is going. Yeah. Hey, so how, how long did you live in Japan? Japan was from 19... 19- 1993 all the way up to 2000, 1992. So it was about on and off about like eight years. So you were born and raised in Brazil, right? Born and raised, yeah. I was born in Sao Paulo uh, uh, in 1974, born and raised in Sao Paulo all the way up to I was in my 19. I was 19 years old when I left. So you and left then, uh, You left Sao Paulo and you went straight to Japan? That was Japan. And then I made many trips back to Brazil for like a couple months back home. And then I'll fly back um, to back to Japan. What, what made you go to Japan yeah. from Brazil? Uh, my family, like half of my family is Japanese. My mom is ja- family side is Japanese. So it, that made it simple for uh, like Brazilian uh, Japanese descendant to go to Japan and They'll be working in, you know, the the workforce, right? In in Japan, so they made it easy, like as far as like paperwork, visa, and all that. And uh, so I so I did that. It was a it, it was a quick way to you know go there for a year and save up like a lot of money, save money home. I had a kid at the time, so that that was a it was a tough call, but it was it needed to be done. So. That was my motive. So basically, just make money. Do you speak fluent Japanese now? I do. I, yeah, I did. I had to learn um, so I could differentiate, you know, like uh, laundry soap for shampoo and stuff like that. And directions. I'm, I was really good at directions. I didn't know any Japanese when I first got to Japan, except uh, where's the bathroom? <laughs> that was my name. 
that was my main thing. Is like, where's the bathroom? And uh, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, little by little, I, I had to learn because I was the only at that time. I was the only Portuguese, like Spanish uh, speaking person around. There's nobody else there. Everybody else spoke Japanese, so I had to like, you know, have a dictionary in in my pocket and try to decipher what they're talking. Either something simple. Or, you know, I didn't feel like left out and uh, five, six months down the line, I, I was I was able to communicate without a problem. But then, then it was, uh, it was all about, you know, uh, surviving. Did you live in, uh, what part of Japan did you live in, Tokyo? I first arrived in Fukushima. That's where they had the nuclear uh, issue. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Back. <clears throat> yeah, that was Fukushima, and then uh, I moved to Nagoya. From that, I moved to Miyaken, and then I moved to uh, Osaka. Then I moved to uh, Tokyo. So throughout those seven, eight years that I lived there, it was uh, mostly like kind of major cities. But Tokyo was one of the last cities that I lived. Um, that was. Uh, 1999, 2000. What was it like living in Tokyo or living in Japan in general? Tokyo was an interesting town, man. It was a very different city compared to all the rest of Japan. If you, anybody that ever been to Japan, they, uh, if they experience Tokyo and haven't seen any other part of Japan, they have not experienced Japan. Um, it is a very fast, a um, lot of English speakers, so you don't feel like um, if you don't if you don't know any of the language, you 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 do just fine. And uh, but it was nice, man. It was, it was uh, it's interesting how many people can like uh, people on top of people walking on the street. Yeah, I miss, I miss the food. I miss I miss everything there, man. I, I met a lot of. A lot of people from all around the world in Tokyo. It was interesting. Yeah, I went to, um, I was in Tokyo last year on my trip back to Guam. So we stopped by there. And uh, one thing that I noticed, because we spent a few days in uh, in Tokyo, was that, we, you know, we were riding a bus from, from the airport to the hotel, and it was quiet. Super quiet. Yeah, it was super quiet. And even, you know, people with their phones, I mean, you couldn't even hear whatever they were watching on their phones. Not everybody had yeah. earbuds. And uh, the boat ride, I mean, the the bus ride was super quiet. And it's, uh, they're very polite. It's a very different, uh, very different culture. And uh, uh, I'm glad I I get to experience that and, and have that, you know, on my side. And, you know, growing up, like, I was trying to hide that, um, that side of me, like, you know, you always get teased in school. Oh, you, you know, you're Japanese, and they'll, they'll do the slinted eyes, even though I don't have that much of a slint eyes. But uh, I always get teased. But eventually, you just kind of like, oh, it is what it is, and embrace it. And it, it made it easier. And then first, first you you arrive there, and then you see how they, you know, how they, uh, how they carry themselves, and uh, they're polite, and then the they're educated and it, it's very considerate. 
when they uh, in the public place they don't they don't make a, too much of a noise until until they start drinking <laughs> and then <laughs> everything goes uh, go all over the place and the Japanese they know how to party uh, they don't believe in alcoholism like if you're an alcoholic they just you know think you like to drink too much that's right. about it alcohol uh alcoholism is not is not an issue so so you being half uh, japanese how how did they treat you in japan it that was that was another thing because like now i'm not i'm not a full blood japanese i'm not a full blood brazilian so on either side i'm getting you know you kind of feel like a little little bit of discrimination or a little bit of uh you know uh the confusion like how come are you you know uh or so it was a lot of pressure so i always felt that i'm like i feel like a a man without a country all right but i'm not you know, full blood anything but i but i always like i always like like all my all my cousins that we all have breed so and it, it just made it interesting you know my kids are half breed so all right uh I just, I just, I just think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but I, well, I, I never like took personal, but, uh, at, at some point I just kind of got to get past through that and, and just continue on. Just, but, uh, but I like it, man. I like both sides of what I have. It's very different. Yeah. That's Brazil and cool. Japan is it's totally opposite of, you know, extremes. Hey, when you, when you're in Japan, do they have tattoo shops kind of like they do have here? No, the tattoo shops were uh, underground. You could see sometimes advertisement, uh, magazines and stuff like that. Of course, everything is in Japanese. Um, you see like little pictures here and there, but it's not like, you know, street shops and open doors and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it took, it took, it took a while. I, I believe it's been a while now there, like since I went back. Yeah. Uh, I believe there are, uh, street shops open, like open doors that you can walk in and talk to somebody just like here. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit different. Like before it should be a little underground. Even when I got tattooed by Clay, I, I met Clay. And uh, I was a club manager in Tokyo at the time. And then uh made friends with the guy. And then eventually it led up to, you know, my apprenticeship coming, moving to the United States. But before that, I got tattooed by Clay uh, in Omoto Sundu. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a private studio. You'd go upstairs and if you did not know directions or somebody didn't give you the directions to to, to the place he would not know it's a tattoo shop hey what about those um those uh yakuza tattoos yeah those are those are beautiful man everything tells a story um everybody carries that's you know who it's like an, a book it's just like a page each each tattoos that are done it's like a page in that book and uh it's, they take a series, man. I got uh, the few tattoos that I had. I got kicked out of like places, bathhouses in Japan, and uh, I thought it was silly because I didn't. You know, I wasn't like heavily covered, but I had tattoos, and they, you know, very politely asked me to leave. They never, 
you know, made any fuss about it. Just like, sorry, but he's scaring all the other patrons. Yeah. I'm just taking a shower, man. So did you want? Uh, so yeah, I got I got kicked out a few times uh, out of bathhouses. So now, do you specialize in in Japanese tattoos? I I I, I believe I, I I like doing Japanese tattoos, but I like to say I I just like tattooing. Period. Like I don't I really don't I don't mind to do. Uh, anything that somebody is willing to carry on their body. And a lot of times, uh, you know, people come in with simple tattoos and and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, it's not, you know, it's not your usual, what do you do? And, it's, and to me, it's just as special uh, to, you know, permanently mark somebody that come to me and want to get, you know, want to get the artwork done by me which is, I think that is, I have a lot of respect for that. So that's what it, it puts me in a, um, uh, in a different category. So I, I never really label myself as this is all I want to do. This is what I want to do. All I want to do is tattooing. So as long as I'm tattooing, I'm happy. That's uh, my drive. That's my motive. So... What what was it like for you um, growing up in Brazil? Uh, growing up in Brazil is um, it, it's like every day is a struggle. I kind of looked back and uh, uh, I started working like you know early. I as long as I know myself as a as a person, I always worked. And my my parents they had a like. They had their own business, like a farmer's market business. So we had to wake up early, uh, four in the morning, and go to work till late, nine, ten o'clock at night, still out working. And um, so that's all I knew, work. So my work ethic is, is pretty much the same. I work 12, 14 hours a day sometimes if I have to. And uh, that kind of like... It kind of it made me a, a different uh, different person. Uh, I like to work hard. All right, you're, and, uh, you're always working a lot doing tattoos, huh? Yeah, absolutely, man. There's always always people coming in. Always somebody wants something, and I can never say no unless if it's something that I believe it's offensive or you know there's out of nature or some something that some things is just I, I don't want to participate. Right. Or the times that I'll say no is like when I when I know I I'm not into it or I, I won't do a good job and I just rather pass. Sometimes it's a it's a there's an energy aspect too. It's like I can't I refuse to like if I don't we don't have a good vibe then I I rather say no than just rush the work. Yeah. Have you but ever yeah, grown um, up in it's always that struggle, man, you know, like growing up and, you know, like being, like we talked to, like half, being half Japanese, half, half, you know, uh, Brazilian, uh, you know, kids in school and, you know, being, you know, bullied and stuff like that. It's kind of like, you, you got to overcome your struggles and you make who you are today. And 
And uh, I, I think he used like a lot of stuff. Like Brazil is interesting a uh, place to to grow up. Well, we had a I think I had a pretty good childhood and grew up as a person. I had a kid on the early stage too that made me more responsible uh, towards life. All right. Interesting. You know, uh, growing up in Brazil, um, has there always been like a political struggle like there is today? Uh, when I came up, growing up was military regime. So we had curfews. We couldn't stay out. Um, being out in the streets, when being a teenager, we always had like, you know, uh, guns. And, you know, you, you hear like you know, the police is going up and down and you're being searched. Um like fights, you know, people being shot. You wake up in the morning, walk down the street, and you see a body laying on the gutter. Uh, you kind of experience all that kind of stuff. Um, like, many times, like, I hop in my motorcycle, you just don't know if you're going to be robbed, if you're going to get mugged, uh, you know, or you're going to be <laughs> chased by cops. I got a couple times, got shot at, uh, broad daylight, and it was it's kind of like it, it's a fast life, man. It's a violent place, but uh, you kind of adapt to it, and it becomes normal. Oh, it's kind of sick to say, but it, it just becomes normal. Is that That's how it is? It still like that today? Uh, probably today. Probably is, I'm gonna say it's worse from what I heard. You know, I, I always talk to my family, my mom, my cousins, all my aunts and uncles back home, and then uh, yeah, whenever we. We ask about, you know, somebody. They either, they either, their dad or they're in prison. It's I I, I don't understand. It's still kind of like the same way. So I'm like, so nothing changed. And right. they'll be like, yeah, it's kind of like it feels like it got worse. But I mean, it, it. That's all I know. To me, it's still normal. You know, violence. Like grow up in violence and. Uh, uh, politicians are all corrupt, and, uh, you know, corrupted crooks, and I feel like uh, Brazilian people, like in an innocent, feel like they're very exploited yeah. by the government. So I guess you, when when you grow up and you just kind of get used to it, and becomes becomes normal, like everyday it's, life. That's your everyday man. You'd be like, okay, so it, you never know. You walk out that door, and. Uh, you know, how's it going to be? All you want to, all you want to know is, you don't want to, you don't want to die. So you kind of create that, that survive instinct and, and do your best to like not to get, you know, scammed or, you know, robbed or stabbed or whatever. Yeah. I get a simple ride in the, in the bus. It turns into next thing you know, there's somebody at gunpoint. Collecting everybody's money and stuff like that. Oh, you wow. never know. Yeah. It's just like in the every corner. We never know where it's going to come from. It could be a guy wearing a, a suit and a tie, and it could be like they, they don't have a face anymore. It's, it comes from everywhere. It could be a woman, it could be a child, it could be a ten year old child holding a gun. You never know where is it going to come from. Right. But we always use our toes. Yeah, always ready. Hey, when did you get your first tattoo? My first tattoo, I was right around that age, 18, 19. Um, there was a guy named Renato. 
that uh, it was like kind of close from the from from the place I live. And uh, I went there. We talked, and all I wanted to do is get tattooed. I didn't care what it was, so I was I was into like you know hardcore music and heavy metal stuff, like punk rock music. I was a rocker, so I was I was into like skulls and dark image and stuff like that. And uh, that's what I wanted, man. I want to get some skulls tattooed, and just want to be that like have like a badass tattoo. But it's, uh, as I understood, like, the process of how long it takes, and I'm like, man, maybe the next one, I want to think this through, and how permanent it was, and so I was, I was hooked, man, and from, I always wanted, I remember, like, driving on the bus on my way to school, I'll be, like, 12, 12, 13 years old, and there was a tattoo shop that uh, I always through the window and uh, I always want to go in there man it's it's always been like one of one of those things I close my eyes and I see it like you know to to this day I can see the entrance of the tattoo shop I never went in but I was always curious man I'm like you know I was afraid to go in there and get my ass kicked or something but <laughs> I was like I, I kept myself from not going in but um, I still have that image in my head man like that's what I was always curious. Hey, so I, was, I wanted, I wanted, to, I wanted to know. So when you were a kid, were were you into like drawing and art? Um, I was in uh, like doing graffiti, um, spray can, and, and you know doing tagging. There was a lot of tagging. Um, there was a lot of uh, running from the cops on that side. Was the adrenaline rush. Um, I was drawing on t-shirts and pants and shoes and whatever I could. It was like pen and ink and a canvas. And I was always like doing something related to, um, drawing and art. I called it art. My mom called like, why are you doing this? Like you marking everything. (laughs) I seen some of those, uh, some, those shoes in your shop, man. They're pretty cool. The ones you drew on. Thank you, man. That's, those are they take a long time, and then I just do it on you know just kind of keep your sanity and um, you know I, I do tattoos and and that's that it, it becomes my that's my driving focus. But sometimes you just want to be distracted and do something different, so that way you know you, you keep your sanity, so it becomes like a hobby. Yeah. So doing those shoes was fun. It is fun. But also, it's like a lot of time consuming before you know it's like you got, you know, a whole day invested just just kind of doodling on a pair of shoes. And it's kind of like, you know, the whole day went by. All right. Like, man, I should do something else. But uh, it, it feels good, man, once you see the product and, and you know, just kind of sitting on there and just kind of stare at it and trying to relive, trying to learn from it and evolve. It's always like evolving. I think that's the main thing, trying to do something different and how can I do this better and faster. I think that's the key. Hey, when um, when you're doing someone's tattoo for the first time, has have you ever talked somebody out of a tattoo? Oh, absolutely. Like that happens like in a daily, um, 
I have many examples of like people coming in, and uh, I can see like they're they're ready, and I can see they're like nervous, but I can see they're not quite like clear mind, and then I just try to put uh, them in perspective, like and you know if it's an 18 year old, just because you're an age, and then you know. You, you, I'm not going to tattoo your hands. I'm not going to tattoo your, your neck. And because you got your whole life ahead of you, you don't know where, what, what will, where are you going to be? What are you going to become? So I don't want to participate on basically like ruin their, their, their lives, like career aspect. Um, even like in the society, like people still like, you know, we talk to like, it's, it's not as taboo. But there's a lot of places that you go, and it's not well, you know, accepted. Um, many corporate jobs, like you just, you know, it's just a kid. So usually I tell them no, or you should think about this. You know, uh, it's not much of like sometimes the imagery, but the location, you know. And uh, some kids, they come back like, years later and be like, man, I'm so glad you talked me out of it. Right. You know, it feels good, man. I, I kind of have that, I have that responsibility to, just because you have the money and you want, you have, you think you have the time and I should do it and then it's where they, I have to draw a line. Like, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, like looking towards the future. So I'm very cautious. And then even adults, like sometimes people want to get, you know, the spouse name or, you know, not so much, but like, how do they just met? This is my girlfriend and I want to get that across my neck. And I'm like, dude, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you cover up a lot of names? Oh, yes, I do. I cover up more names than I tattoo names. And, uh, but, you know, like, it's one of those things. You you want to, like, I, I want to participate in your happiness, but I don't want to make, you know, become a, I don't want to participate on somebody else's stupidity also. But sometimes it feels good to give that somebody and, like, man, this, this couple being together for this long. And it's not just names. Sometimes they're imagery. I had people ask me to tattoo like swastikas on them, but I'm like, which swastika are we talking about here? You know? Yeah. Um, is is this like a Buddhist like symbol? Is this like a you know, or or this a symbol of hatred? You know, which 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 direction is this? I'm like, no. If it's if it's not something on something that's positive, I yeah, I'd rather not. Yeah, I'd rather not participate. And it feels good to have that power, like, um, talk to people and educate them about, uh, you know, what is, not what I think you should have on your body, but you should uh, definitely uh, put some thought into the imagery, like, what is this, what, you know, you want people to look at, and then what is, some people, like, stuff like that, you know, automatically, they will just want to have that initial like shock you want to shock people but i think those are wrong reason to have a tattoo you know what i've been seeing a lot on um people uh lately is uh people having tattoos on their faces this is 
I think like this is another like uh, example of a fad. Um, same thing with like uh, the lower back. You know, back in the seventies, the, the the now the older ladies now they you know they're in their late fifties or sixties, early sixties. They'll have a lot of phoenixes. So they always go through a, a fad and a trend. The lower back was another one. The the tramp stamp. Uh, there is um, the armband that was that time. There was like uh, the the sun around the belly button. <laughs> I cover up a lot of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that area, so, that area must hurt yeah, to get a tattoo. So I think exactly. I, I think like right now, uh, the tattoos on the face. Um, it came about to like all those rapper kids that are on whatever MTV and. Some of those guys are like heavily covered, man. They're like their body is fully covered with tattoos, and they're like, "I'm going, you know, I want to represent on my face, and uh, that's what I want to go." But what I find it like interesting is like kids they have no tattoos, and then they walk in, they want to like, "I want to get my face tattooed because I like Post Malone, or I like whoever you know, all those other rappers are." I don't yeah. even know names. I'm I'm not good with names, but um. And it just, it became that trend. And then in, in a few years, it's going to go away. And I do know a lot of people that they have their face tattooed, their, their bodies fully covered, and they got their face tattooed. Eventually, they erased, or they tried to erase everything off their face. Um, I know many, I tattoo many faces, but I will not tattoo anybody that is not covered and committed, definitely in a position where, they can uh, have that. And, you know, like, sometimes, like, people just, they're successful in their what they do, their career, and that's what they want, and uh, you can feel that they're committed, but not not like an 18-year-old, 19-year-old that's getting their first tattoo, and they're like, yeah, I want to get my eyebrow tattooed. I'm like, oh, it's not going to happen, though. Hey, have you ever um, looked into, like, the history of tattoos? Now, some people... You know, I've seen on YouTube, some people are saying like tattooing started like in Southeast Asia or the Pacific Islands or even, yeah. um, you know, like the Vikings, you know, they tattooed Absolutely. a lot. Yep. So how, how do you think that that got around the world? I mean, do you think it just like started in different parts of the world or do you think it started in one place and kind of spread? I think it, tattooing it started all over at the same time. I don't believe it was, uh, it came from one specific place. Cause, uh, if you look, you know, like you, like you said, it came from many different regions. The only reason that you would know if it came from somewhere else, if you traveled all the way over there and it brought it back. So like here in the United States, all the sailors, they're the ones that brought it, you know, tattooing from everywhere else in the world, and they brought it back to the United States. So that's the way they migrated. Um, we, we call the electric modern tattooing age. But, uh, yes, back in the day, they'll have, you know, the Maoris, they had their tools. Samoan had their tools. The Hawaiian, they have, you know, shark teeth. And, and if you go to Africa, they have their own ways of tattooing. So... Even like uh, there's a Ice Age mummy that had tattoo. So when we're like, where did it come from? 
um, they say like, you know, the oldest profession is prostitution, but she did have a tattoo, you know, so you don't know they're like where, where exactly came from. I, I'd say that it started at the same time and from all over the place. All right. Just nobody knows the origin. Well, how, how, how did, how did they make their ink? Uh, ink pigments are uh, made with, uh, like in Japanese, they call sumi, which is a process of like charcoal, um, you know, water, and then it could have, you have to have a bonding agent, which is like some sort of uh, oil or like coconut oil or whatever it is. You need a bonding agent, you need uh, something to break it down, the pigments, and then you just got to work it. Um, prison tattoos how they make their, their black is by burning stuff like rubber, plastic, whatever they get their hands on. And from the sud, they'll make that black. They'll mix with the water. They'll mix with something else to make it uh, dark enough. Um, on the islanders, they, you know, they'll have to burn and create charcoal and stuff like that. So there's many different, there's a many different techniques to make this is just for black. And then um, um, back in the day, like all they had was black, red, and, and green all the way up to 1920s. And then 1950s, blue was introduced and different colors just started spreading from there. That was uh, uh, Sailor Jerry, Captain Sailor Jerry Collins. Uh, he's, the, he's the pioneer of bringing the blue into the tattooing game. So obviously we already have the red, so mixing the two together, you got the purple, and then and then things started changing from that. Yellow got introduced, and then uh, the white came about, and then they started breaking down pigments. So it's, it's different many techniques that you can do it. I have like, but all comes from powder nowadays, powder pigment. Now, now, as you, as somebody gets older with a tattoo, does the, does the ink inside the skin, you know, start to like spread as their, their skin kind of gets uh, looser? It's a, it's an interesting science. That's a good question too. There are, cause like a lot of people don't understand that. They think like the, the only fading effect would be from the sun, but you made a good point because it's in your skin. So what's happening is there's like, uh, there's your white blood cells basically trying to break down that pigment. So you got to look everything on the science aspect, which is like, uh, be like a molecule levels of pigment particles. And your white cells is trying to break it down because it's not supposed to be there. <laughs> right. So, and then obviously the sun ages, but it's aging your skin, but it's also helping breaking down that pigment. That's why when you hear like laser uh, removal tattoos, what it does when that light zaps the pigment, it's breaking down all the particles, like all the all the molecules in, into small little pieces that your white cells would start eating all that ink like faster because it's smaller and then you just piss it out. So that's how you kind of get rid of. But uh, it's a good point that you made that it's, you know, you eventually your tattoo will fade. And then there's a elasticity part of it, which is that your skin. And that that's 
there's no stopping that. That comes from age. Oh, yeah. So eventually, we're going to be old enough that our skin is, won't be able to hold anymore. So your, your ink, in, it needs to spread. It has to because it's not going anywhere. So it's just going to spread and turn into something else. So that, that, that ink is basically just sitting under like the top layer of your skin? There's a few layers underneath the surface, yeah, and that's, that's where it sits. Um, it was, I just had a, um, uh, my skin peeled off the other day, and I just saw everything just like it was fresh. Like, this is a tattoo that I got 20 years ago, and it looks just as fresh the day I got it, but obviously it's underneath yeah. yeah, the one that skin came off. Yeah. Everything looks like brand new, man. So, so when you were coming up and you and you decided, hey, you know, I want to start tattooing. Did you practice a lot on yourself? I did. Um, I did. I, I had a lot of friends there. That's why we need friends when it comes to. <laughs> yeah, you're starting out uh, tattooing. You need a lot of friends, and then uh, free tattoos. I tattooed a lot of them, man. I tattooed the shit out of them, man, and. You know, it was always like uh, it was always like a party, and I never had the, uh, the 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 knowledge to to be like, hey man, this is this is serious, dude. Right. We should think about we should think about this. So, and I never stopped to question. All I want to do is tattoo, and then um, they want to get tattooed. So it was a it was a disaster. It was a perfect combination for disaster. Right. Uh, then we got booze involved, and we're like, you know. Smoking and and you're doing all kinds of all right, fuck it, yeah, just fuck it, man. And then <laughs> eventually, later on, I'm like, okay, this is this is serious, dude. I, I I'm just gonna remember trying to remember all those people that I tattooed, and then I just gotta fix them. <laughs> right. Hey, how, how common is it for you know if you know you put the stencil on somebody's body? Is it pretty common where you know say a mistake is made? Always, man. It's always a constant um, struggle where you. There's a lot of times that where I put the stencil and it, it did not flow with the body. So um, obviously, like after you know a couple two decades of like tattooing and understanding like every day what it needs to be done, I like to freehand a lot of stuff. So. Freehand is a that's that that's when you grab a, a, a pen and then just start marking your the flow of the body and then from that you start drawing off of a you know a marker and uh, from that you find your fundamentals of your foundation of your tattoos and the outline and then just go from there but a lot of times yeah I put the stencil on and it didn't look right and then I erased everything and trying to make it. It's either the size or the location or the imagery. So there's a lot of things that comes about before it's permanent. So if it doesn't look right on the stencil, you should start over it. Do people come to you a lot to to fix tattoos that other tattoo artists gave them? Every day. I hear every day. Um, It's either like somebody they... They're just not happy with, or I had people came in with a fresh tattoo. I, I kid you not, this guy basically just jumped out of the chair, 
he freaked out and then came in my shop to like, hey man, I just got this done. <laughs> he still had half of the stencil from the, 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 the last tattoo artist. I don't, I don't remember like the shop that they came from. And this kid was basically like, can you finish it? I don't like the way it looks. And I'm like, what don't you like about it? <laughs> it looks great. So in my opinion, like the, the, whoever's doing the, the, the job, he was doing the great work. And I'm like, it's, it's, I don't want to continue somebody else's work. And for one, it's fresh, but it was a good, he was getting a good tattoo. He just freaked out and decided he didn't like it. So but, you, uh, you sent him away, told him to go back to the, the dude who gave it to him? I'm like, dude, I don't know how you're going to make this up. You got to go back to the same dude and apologize and just let him do his work. <laughs> The line work was impeccable. I'm like, I don't know who did it. I don't care. I'm not doing it. You got to go somewhere else. Well, what was but he I not satisfied him. with? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was getting like a, I, I think it was like some, uh, it was like a koi fish on his arm. Oh. And uh, it was like, well, I, I, you know, like I talked to people and they recommended you and blah, 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 and I'm like, nope, I don't want to be no part of this, man. You're going to have to go back to your guy. I don't know who it is, but... And uh, get finished by him. Most of your clients, are they by uh, word of mouth? Uh, I would say... Word of mouth, that's how that's how it all starts. Um, still to this day. But uh, a lot of them now, it's all recommendation, yeah. I mean, word of mouth, yeah, for sure, 80%. So, is there a lot of people that walk into the shop? We still have um, every day, thanks to, like, social media and stuff like that, uh, people that I tattooed on the casinos, but uh, mostly social media, they're the one that find us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other, like, Yelp. Um, yeah, they find us in the shop, and then... They're like, hey man, you're, you got good reviews and want to see if you can do something for us. And then uh, it's just a matter of like we schedule the time and see what they want to do. But for the most part, yeah, we get we get a lot of walking. I know because um, you guys shop. I mean, it's not it's not like right on the street. You know, it's kind of like um, it's a little bit hidden. Man, we like in. Uh, there's a little jam on the slice of the ghetto. Um, right there on Maryland, Tropicana. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's a prime location right there. Um, and you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's very hidden. It's, it's, it's off the, 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 the path, like the beat path. And then if you don't know, you don't know, you're never going to stumble because there's no reason for you to be out that way unless you know we're there. Well, you get you get a lot of uh, clients that come from uh, that come from out of town or other parts of the world, right? Just to get a tattoo by you. Oh yeah, from all over, from all the way from the islands. Like a lot of, I have a lot of a lot of uh, Hawaiian kids. They come in, um, they get tattoos, and people from Norway, all the way to. Sweden, Switzerland, Japan, like you, you name it. Uh, 
Yeah, I tattoo a lot of people from, yeah, Italy, Canada. Canada, I would say, is one of my second uh, biggest clientele. I have a lot of Canadians come out and and they get tattooed and they leave, which is, I mean, it, it, it feels really good, but it's kind of a, a big pressure. Has anybody you know, ever, like, flown you out get, to their home? Like, hey, you know, come out for, for a few days and, and give me a tattoo at my house. I honestly, I get that invitation a lot. I just feel that it's sometimes it's kind of uh, it's, it's different when you uh, step out of your element and then you're, you know, I, I get very clumsy. I drop a lot of things and I, I knock things out and it's just like the whole setup is just not comfortable. Yeah, it's not probably not as clean. It, it definitely not, but I don't, I, I never really done that. I uh, I have... I have at uh, one point, I had a, my first trip to Hawaii, I had a shop and uh, everything was set to go and then work out of this guy's place. And uh, last minute, we get that phone call and be like, hey man, you know, health department got, you know, raided my shop and said if I have people without uh, the permit, Hawaiian health card will not be allowed in the shop. So I have all these people. I had 15 people lined up, so I ended up tattooing at the garage. So I'm like back to the back to the old days. The old school. But it was fun, man. You know, trying to make everything sterile, and um, I had everything, like, disposable, and then trying to make it, you know, the, the guy that I stayed with, uh, his place, his wife, is uh, she worked at a hospital. So we were trying to make everything all the... All the trash and everything is biohazard, so we send it to that facility. But um, trying to keep everything like, you know, more like functioning. But I, I, ju- I just, I was committed to the work. Basically, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't bear to disappoint on, you know, people. Yeah. They were waiting, you know. So, so I made that commitment. I stepped in and I try to make everything nice and sterile and clean. What, what what about your your hand? I mean, you're tattooing for hours. Does your hand get tired? Sometimes, I do. I do stretch a lot. Um, that now that I'm older, <laughs> find myself like a yeah, stretching a lot, doing a lot of you know uh, uh, exercise and trying to get most out of it, but. I think it's just posture, like how you how you sit, how you hold it, and how you carry yourself, and trying to find a comfortable position. So, I think that's a, a big key because I see a lot of guys in my age, they all started like having carpal tunnel, uh, arthritis, kind of started getting into place. And I'm not even that, but I think stretching it helps a lot. Well, what's the longest session you you ever done? Anything from 10 to 14 hours in one sitting, tattooing a guy from out of town. And I tattooed him multiple times. Every time he came down, it was minimum 10 hours, uh, 12, 14 hours. That was our max. Dang, that's a long time. It was a long freaking day, man. By the end of it, I just, my eyes are crossed and everything hurts. Not just my wrist, my back. (laughs) My brain hurt. Everything hurts, man. So I'll take. Usually, I'll take the next day off. Uh, 
I made that into the calendar. It's like I'm taking tomorrow off. And uh, but it, it's it's a lot of it, it seems a lot of people think it's easy, but it's a lot of mental and you know the physical and then the commitment and just kind of sit there for 14 hours or whatever. You endure in the pain, but me inflicting and and trying to do you know a permanent job on somebody on somebody's skin. All right. It's very tricky, man. It's kind of I don't know anybody. Who, I I. Even on the airplane ride, man, every every five minutes I'm getting up and walking around. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, hey, it's, uh, you know what? Um, when you're tattooing, right, and you got the ink on the needle, and you're you're on the skin, and you're you're either drawing a line or you're shading. There's that certain amount of ink that falls onto the skin, but you're still tattooing. How do you know what you're tattooing when the ink is kind of like, you know, kind of in the way? Is it just by feel or or just from experience? Um, it's uh, definitely there's a there's a few involved. You kind of have already like a, a guide that you kind of see a glare on the tip of the tube and then a needle, but everything is all gravity. Like again, this is all science, right? So if you have the right needle, the right amount of tube, uh, the pressure has got to be correct. Everybody is different, so their skin changes every day. Like, just it's not just skin. Everybody's skin is different. So the canvas change, uh, your equipment is still the same. Everything is brand new, but then you got to reset. So every time I start a tattoo, it's different. But, like, knowing that there's a little glare and then the amount of pressure you need to put, that's always the same. So you kind of have to fine-tune it. It's like driving a car for the first time. But every time I, I start a tattooing, you, you already, you already have, I already have the confidence that I know where to drag. Once it makes that little puddle, yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. Like I would say, almost 90% of that puddle is not gonna really sit. But if it stays inside of the tube, you almost get almost 100% of that ink into the skin. It's just got to push just right. But when it creates that puddle, you just kind of work out of it. And you kind of, like I already have, like after all those years, and, you know, day after hour after hour, like doing it, you kind of, it, it creates a muscle memory. All right. Hey, uh, Hodger, thanks for uh, talking to me, man, and hanging out. Um, if you don't know, Rogerio Silva or Roger, Tattoos out of uh, Pussycat Tattoo, right? Maryland Parkway and Tropicana. That's right. Four nine seven two South Maryland Parkway. Come on down. Yeah, hit them up if uh, if you want a good tattoo. I know I have a few tattoos from you, and they're all great work, man. Everyone always compliments my tattoos. I appreciate you. That I got from you. Yeah. Hey, thanks for hanging out, Roger. Appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much for. Uh, Doing this and taking the time, man, I, I it's it's kind of strange, like stepping out of that zone and do something like that. But I I love supporting my friends and uh, I wish you like nothing but success, man. All right, brother.